She said, with the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. One more time for you here. Adam made love to his wife Eve. And she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. She said, with the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. Matthew chapter 19, beginning with verse 4. Haven't you read, he replied, that at the beginning, the creator made them male and female. And said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. And the two will become one flesh. So they are so no, they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Why then, they ask, did Moses command that a man give his wife a certificate of divorce and send her away? Jesus replied, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard. But it was not this way from the beginning. I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another woman commits adultery. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Amen. Dear God, we come to this moment in preaching in which we seek to hear from what you, the Lord of hosts, has for your people. Let this not be my word, but thy word. Fill my mouth, my mind, and my heart with your will, dear God. Let the words of my mouth and meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. Yes. O oh Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. These are your people. Entrust me with care. Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. As we are focusing on the family, It's important for us to know that we have to make some decisions about what is considered right and what is considered wrong. And I'm just telling you that none of us are exempt 
from the will, the word, and the way of God. And all of us, help me, Holy Ghost, have fallen short. Amen. Let's establish that as a baseline. The pastor is not perfect. <laughs> There's no one in here that's perfect. But that does not exonerate us from trying to live out our lives with purpose and to try in every way to please God. Y'all with me so far? So stop giving me hate mail. Come on. Come on. Pastor, you talk about me so bad. <laughs> I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about us. <laughs> Amen. Amen. But Pastor, you beat up on us so bad. I'm not beating up on you. I'm giving you the chastisement that God gives me. And the Bible says God chastises those whom he loves. So today's sermon is titled Blood Sheets. Blood Sheets. Amen. Like it or not, believe it or not, trust it or not, but God is a God of order. Like it or not, believe it or not, trust it or not, we have to come to terms with the God we serve is a God of order. Napoleon, look at the red button. Take the red button and turn it down just a notch. Please. Though there's chaos, all around us in the world. Just a notch. That's good. A little bit high. But don't turn it off. No problem. <laughs> Just turn it off. <laughs> All right. Like it or not, we have to deal with the fact that there's chaos all around us. Yes? Yeah. And but though there's chaos all around us, there's chaos in our home. Yeah. There's chaos in our schools. There's chaos at work. There's chaos at City Hall. There's chaos at the White House. There's chaos in the church house. But the chaos that we witness all around us doesn't say anything about God. Because the God we serve is the God of order. And the chaos we witness is not of God, but the chaos that we witness is of us. Is there a witness here? It is us that are chaotic. The Lord sets life in order. And by going our own way, we create confusion. We create disorder. Which means we create chaos. 
My brothers and sisters, we have to come to terms with the world in which we see. It's not a world of God's making. But the world in which we see is a world of our making. And could it be that we're blaming God for the disorder in our lives when God is the one that's trying to take the disorder and put it back in order? Is there a witness here? And that's what I've experienced with my life. What I've experienced in my life is that I've made a mess of things. And I pray and try to get God to try to get back on my side in order that he can clean up the mess that So we got to stop looking and pointing our fists up to heaven and blaming God for the chaos that we see in our world. And we need to say to God, forgive us. For we've done this to ourselves. So God, for example, has set in order marriage. We've taken marriage out of order. God has set for us marriage in order. And it was us that took marriage out of order. Have you ever considered that what starts right works right? And what works right ends right. Ooh-wee. I'm going to have to get out of here. Oh, man, we got some upset folk up in here today. Oh, help me, Holy Ghost. Oh, bad already, Lord Jesus. They start to point fingers already. What my The marriage didn't work. Listen, get out of your feelings. Relax. Listen. Just listen. We're all guilty here, yes? Okay. What starts right works right. What works right ends right. What starts wrong help me hold it Works wrong. Amen. Wrong. Wrong. And ends wrong. Wrong. Now, y'all, I ain't up here by myself. You ain't started everything right. Because if you started everything right, it would be working right. Huh? Look here. Genesis 4 and 1. And I'm going to use the King James Version, Rev. It says this. It says, Adam knew Eve. His wife. And she conceived and bore Cain and said, I have got a man from the Lord. His wife. Amen. Come on. And they conceived. Yeah. Yeah. 
Asap. It's for the people in the back. Adam knew Eve. Is there a way to miss it? And his wife. And they conceived. No chapel. Where the chapel at? He didn't say nothing about the chapel. Right, right. I didn't read nowhere it says Adam went to the chapel and with Eve. I didn't yeah. read that. Yeah, yeah. It said Adam knew Eve. Yeah. No dress. No tuxedo. No priest. Uh, no priest. No limo. No honeymoon. Come on, somebody. That's not there. Uh, it's not there. Right. Uh -huh. I'm going to tell you what is there. Let me tell you what's there. What's there is the sight of God. Yeah. Yeah. And underneath the sight of God, brother Ford, uh -huh. there's a male. Uh -huh. Adam. Hey, hey. Uh -huh. Y'all this. Uh -huh. There's a male. Uh -huh. There's a female. And there's intercourse. Yeah, yeah. Come on. Now watch this. The text says that two became one. Now I know, I, I know, I know what you're doing right now. You, you're trying to super spiritualize this. And you're trying to talk about two souls coming together. And two minds meeting and like-mindedness and compatibility and chemistry. No! There's an organ designed with a man. And then there's an organ designed with a woman. And those organs are designed to fit together. And when they fit together, two people. Hey! Become one. Don't argue with me. Argue with the text. Is there a witness here? And if it don't fit together. Oh Lord Jesus. This is going to be a long day. To become one and conceive. What was there was one man. One woman. Amen. And that's it. Yeah. And that's the order. That's right. Amen. Now stop arguing with me. Yeah, yeah. Argue with the text. Right. And if you don't agree with the text, that's between you and God. That's right. But we have to remember the first sermon talking about. We have to establish a locus of authority. We have to figure out what we believe. Yeah. yeah. Now if you tell me you don't believe this, then tell me what you believe, and I don't right. know. Right. Right. I don't trust you or myself. To come up with right and wrong on my own. Amen. I'm saying something right now. Amen. I entrust the word of God because the word of God instructs me yeah. on what God determines as order. Right, right, right. Yeah. Wait a minute, Reverend. Now are you telling me that Adam and Eve became married? 
at the point of intercourse. Are you saying to me that everyone that I have had intercourse with, I have married them? Hey, I didn't say nothing. Genesis 4 and 1 speaks for itself. Genesis 4 and 1 don't need no help. It speaks for itself. Oh, Reverend. That's the Old Testament. Fine. That's the Old Testament. Well, why don't we just go over to the New Testament? Amen. The New Testament says in Matthew 19, and I just read it for you, but I'll read it again. No problem. Verses 4 through 6, it says, haven't you read? This is the master speaking. All right. Right. For those of us that want to go to the New Testament. Right. This is the master speaking. And the master says, haven't you read? He replied that at the beginning, the creator made them male and female and said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and become united with his wife. And the two will become one flesh. Amen. Amen. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. A woman, brothers, is not your toy. A woman is not something you play with. A woman is a living soul. She belongs to God. And you can't play with God's daughter and then discard her. As though you've done nothing. She's not a reservoir for your perverted mind. Oh, y'all get me upset up in here. And I don't care what you thought and who told you that it was cool to have multiple women. What God has put together. And now look at our lives. If you knew what you were doing by being cool, by collecting experiences. Come on. Come on. Look at your life now. Amen. Amen. The truth is, is that brothers, we have been operating out of order. Yeah. And our lives reflect yeah. our waywardness. Yeah. Is there a witness here? Amen. Now you can argue with me, or you can try to fix it. Yeah. Okay, that's not enough. We ain't got everybody. They got quiet, I told you. Y'all must be asleep. Let me hammer down the point. They got real quiet. 
that mean I'm gonna just go further with the point. Matthew 19, 7 through 8, watch this. Here's how we mess this thing up. Watch this. Listen to this text. You're gonna love this, brother Napoleon. Napoleon's my guy. He follows. Listen to this. It says, Why then they ask? Did Moses command that a man give his wife a certificate of divorce and send her away? Now Jesus is going to answer. Watch what the master says. Jesus replied, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard. And guess what? Moses did this without God's permission. And this is why God told Moses, you're going to see the promised land, but you'll never walk in it. Because you began to try to appease people. But it was not this way from the beginning. I tell you that anyone who divorced his wife except for sexual immorality. Yeah, yeah. And marries another woman commits adultery. Amen. Amen. So not only, perhaps, according to the Bible, back in the days of Genesis, not only have we married multiple times, but because of sexual immorality, we've divorced several times. Right. Yeah. 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 I knew it. I'm looking at a whole lot of married and divorced folks. <laughs> Keyshawn, let me talk to you in the back. Keyshawn, I'm looking at a lot of married and divorced people. Amen. Amen. Up in here, burn. A lot of married and divorced people. Some of you been married since she was 11 years old. 12 years old. 14, 15 years old, married uh, and divorced. All right, all right, come on. <laughs> Jesus is telling us that what we're doing and the way in which we're living is not the way God intended it. I'm going to hurry on. But guess what Jesus is telling us? Guess what else he's telling us? Jesus is also telling us that God has made a way to take the chaos that we've created in our lives, all the stuff that's out of order, God has made a way to put it back in order. The question is, is do you want to take your disorder and put it back in order? There is a way. There is a way. That's what the word gospel means. Gospel means good news. And the good news is, is with all of this chaos, God has made a way to put it all back in order. My brothers and sisters, marriage is something that has evolved. And biblical marriage evolved. Biblical marriage is not the same from the Garden of Eden to the first century when Jesus came to us. Incarnate. Incarnate. Excuse me. So, marriage has evolved in the Bible. Can I teach for a little bit? Then I'm coming on home. 
By the time we get to the first century, marriage has evolved in three primary stages. Don't go to sleep now. Tell your neighbor, no, don't, it's not good to sleep now. There's a contract stage. There's a consummation stage. And then there's a celebration stage. And that's biblical marriage. And in the East, they are practicing this today. There's a contract stage. There's a consummation stage. And there's a celebration stage. The first thing, young people, you need to understand is, is marriage has something to do, but not all to do with love. All right. Yeah, that's right. Stop trying to make love an excuse for marriage. Right, right. Huh? Oh, yeah. Hello? Love alone is not a good reason to get married. Because love alone cannot support a marriage. Love alone, young people, cannot support a marriage. Love is about emotion and about feeling toward another person. You need to understand that marriage is more than a relationship between a male and a woman. Marriage is an institution. The coming together in a marriage forms an institution. And an institution establishes law. An institution establishes community. An institution establishes rights. Y'all don't believe that? Your love, your loved ones, you've been loving them since they yay high. And y'all share blood together. And then one and then their spouse dies. And the love you have for them think you think you have rights to their inheritance. You don't. Their inheritance flows with the marriage. Because the marriage gives the person legal rights to an inheritance. Y'all not going to talk to me. There's a contract stage. A marriage is a contractual agreement between you, the person that you're marrying, and their parents, and the community. A contract means to be to be troth. It means to be engaged. And here's what a man has to do. I'm trying to hurry up. A man has to go to the bride's father and ask for her hand in marriage. But when he comes to the father and asks for her hand in marriage, he can't come empty-handed. he must do. They must establish a dowry. They must establish a payment. And so what they have to do, the parents must vet the young man, Keyshawn. What they mean is, is they must put him under examination. 
to determine whether he is fit to be with their daughter. And let me tell you something. The primary examination doesn't only have to do with his character, but it has to do with his finance. And the general rule is, if they can't come to terms with some sort of agreement on how he should move forward, they'll give him a year. Come on, come on. Come on. You want to marry my daughter? Let's do some math. This don't add up. It don't look like you ready. Do you have a house for her to stay in? Do you have a means to take care of her? Do you have some way of making a living? If you don't right now, don't worry about it. Come back in a year. We'll hold her for you. Engagement. I have engaged you. Okay, I have promised you. Now, wait a minute, it's just not one sided. It ain't just one sided. So the groom says, All right, I'm going to get my stuff together. And I'll have a house for her. And I'll have a way to make a living. And I'll be able to show you and demonstrate that. I'll come back in a year. But make sure in that year's time. Can I use this word? They use it. She still great. Yeah. <laughs> oh, make, make sure in a year's time uh, that the product is still good. Pastor, don't say that in church. Why not? That's what they say. Now, wait a minute. In case you're feeling sorry for the woman, don't do that. Because, listen, she takes pride in the fact that she's pure. She takes pride in the fact that she ain't been uh, adulterated. Y'all don't hear me. She takes pride in the fact because meaning that you unadulterated and pure means that you're the prize of the community. And the parents will let you know, listen, we're going to give you a year, but listen, I'm telling you, we got a line waiting. You put up a good down payment. But I want you to know you're going to lose your deposit if you don't come with the goods. That's the contract part of the man. Y'all think I'm making this up? This is real. The man makes a good faith payment to the father. And now, listen, watch this. Ladies, let me tell you how beautiful you are. And it's a shame that you don't know the power that you have. Y'all remember Jacob? Y'all remember Jacob and Rachel? Jacob found himself in this situation. And Jacob loved Rachel. And his daddy told him, come back in seven years. Come back in seven. She'll be ready then. You know what the Bible says? It says... That he loved her so much that that seven years only felt like a few days. What is that to say to you, ladies? Listen, ladies, you are worth it. And if he wants you, make him work for it. And he may not come empty-handed. 
ladies, having you must cost him something. You have to make him pay. Because you, in the beginning, when you set the order, you set the standard. And if you really like him, and he likes you the way he says he do, he will pay. He will pay with his attitude. He will pay with preparing a place for you. He will pay with his work ethic. He will pay by, by earning the respect of your mother and your father. He will pay. And he'll do whatever it takes to be with you. If you will set the standard. The reason why our communities are out of order is because we share wives and husbands. Gotta go. Second stage is consummation. I'm coming on. Second stage is consummation. The man requires a virgin. And after he met his financial obligation to the parents, he requires that the woman is pure and untouched. And let me tell you, they were so serious about this that when the man came with his dowry and when he made his proper payment, and they, here's what they did, they allowed them, and it's, a, it's called a kufa, they allowed them to go to the kufa. It was a place that they set aside for them to have intercourse for the babies in here. And let me tell you, the ride and the groom would go. Now, here's what they would do to prepare it, Dee. They would go and sweep the room uh-huh. and make sure there are no sharp objects in there. All right, come on. Oh. They'll make sure there are no sharp objects in there. Uh-huh. They'll make sure there's nothing that anybody can pierce their skin with. Uh-huh. They would give the bride and groom some sheets, uh-huh. some white sheets. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And that's what they would do. They would sit outside the door. And if it was a royal wedding, they would sit inside the door. Did you hear me? Uh-huh. Y'all know what they're doing outside the door? Uh-huh. They say, hurry up! Uh-huh. <laughs> it's been 10 minutes, hurry up! Uh-huh. And when they leave, what they're looking for is blood on the sheets. Because the blood on the sheets signifies that a virgin has been pierced. Then the parents take the sheets and wrap them up and put them in the safe place and let the groom lies and says she wasn't pure. We say, oh yeah, we got proof right here. Blood sheets. And that's what consummates the marriage. Yeah. Uh, Blood sheets. Yeah. Yeah. That's what seals the deal. Amen. Blood sheets. Right. That's what makes it official. Blood sheets. Okay. Oh, I feel my help coming along now. That's how we come together and become one through blood sheets. There has to be some shedding of some blood sheets. Oh, is there a witness here? And then after that, they call 
all this, the triumphant shout, after it's all said and done, what the groom does is, is he runs and he takes the bride, he takes the bridemaids and he takes the, uh, the, 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 the best man and they run through the sheep and they do a triumphant shout. Yeah, 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 yeah. To alarm the bride that they're on their way. Amen. Amen. Then they celebrate for seven days. Oh, heavenly Holy Ghost. My brothers and my sisters, you're wondering how this connects with God. Well, with God taking the chaos out of our lives. Changing the disorder to order. God looked to the east and couldn't find nobody worthy enough to stain the blood on the sheets. Y'all not hearing me. He looked to the west and couldn't find nobody worthy enough to stain blood on the sheets. And then he looked to the north and the south and still couldn't find nobody. But watch this. Jesus says there is a contract. Is there a witness here? I'm coming on home. Jesus, what's the contract? That whosoever believeth in me shall not perish, but have eternal life. That's the contract. Is there a witness here? And so what he did was he came with the contract. And you know what he did? He walked with us. He talked with us. And he told us that we were his own, didn't he do? Y'all got me by myself up in here. Anybody glad that he changed your chaos into order? Anybody glad that he took what was crooked in your life and made it straight again? Anybody glad that he didn't give up on us because we made some mistakes in life? I'm glad that he put me under a new covenant, a new contract. The bride, the, the, the Bible calls uh, him our bridegroom. Anybody glad that we got somebody that chose us despite our actions? Y'all not talking to me. Listen, when he found me, I wasn't pure and holy, but he married me anyway. He honored his contract. But watch this. The contract had not been consummated. Is there a witness here? Until there has to be bloodshed. Is there a witness here? So he took all of my sins to an old rugged cross. And you know what? They pierced it in his side. They hung him high. And when the blood spread out, then the marriage was consummated. He sealed the deal. Oh, 
Jesus in your life. Because he's the only one that can create, that, that, can, that, can, that can straighten the mess that we made. Thank you, Lord, for choosing me despite myself. Amen.